Do you want to find solutions on how to make decisions faster, how to solve problems with your teams, or define a clear strategy that resonates with your staff and customers? There is a workshop for that. Hello there, I'm Nati Ravez, founder of La Workshopeuse. I'm a collaboration consultant and workshop facilitator, member of an amazing workshopper community. In this podcast, I meet them to get the best advice on facilitation and I'll let leaders and managers speak to understand the challenges they are facing. Welcome to the show. Facilitation is a transformative skill that empowers groups to collaborate and explore together effectively. As a facilitator, you have the opportunity to enrich your expertise by learning various methods and techniques integrating them into your toolkit alongside well-known approaches like Scrum, Agile, Design Thinking, OKR, and Visual Thinking, among others. By understanding the unique dynamics of each group, you can adeptly select the appropriate tools to guide them toward achieving their desired outcomes. Today, I have the great pleasure of introducing you to Charles-Louis de Maire, a renowned facilitator and visual thinking trainer. His vast toolbox is brimming with diverse references that he skillfully employs not only when working with corporate or government entities, but also in compassionate endeavor with NGOs. One remarkable instance was his involvement with Luna's collective in the Philippines during the pandemic. Charles-Louis' approach to using his skills for meaningful projects is truly inspiring, and I'm confident that you will find his insights captivating. So without further ado, I invite you to join me in a delightful conversation with them. Happy listening! Hello, Charles-Louis. What a pleasure it is to have you here with me today. Hello. Yeah, thank you, Nathie. Thank you for the invitation. I'm delighted uh, to be there. So you are a facilitator living in Belgium, mm -hmm. but you're actually active in different corners all around the world. Yep. You founded Exploration Labs SRL in 2020 mm -hmm. to offer space for exploration and experimentations on a cooperative workway. But your special knowledge is visual facilitation and you train facilitators to get to start and get these skills uh, with course called Picablo. Yep. So... You are actually involved in a lot of things, but I know from our first call that uh, you started actually your career in the IT field. I would like to know how you came from IT to facilitation and uh, what is the background there? Okay. Okay, thank you. So actually, yes, so I started in IT. I did some systems maintenance. So like I wrote Perl scripts, uh, take, took care of Oracle database, uh, was active on Unix systems and so on, like all the nitty gritty stuff. Then after some years, I moved um, on to the software development part of things. Um, and actually, long story short, the more I went through the whole um, uh, career, I realized that the technical problems were actually the easiest to solve. But what was interesting is when we get several humans in the same room, well, it was how do we get to work together? 
Um, and uh, I heard or I got to experiment a little bit with um, Lean. Then also I heard about Agile and Scrum. And that was like back in yeah, 2009, 2010 some things like that. I also worked in like some very cooperative environment and some very strict environment, and then I could really see the difference. Um, so basically, I realized the more that I did that, that the role of Scrum Master and beyond that, the role of facilitator can be key in cooperative environments to really work together and aligning on uh, a common purpose. Okay. So, yeah, and I would say that the key points that really made me discover the power of that is first, I, I was really keen to share my knowledge mm -hmm. um, and the things that I experimented with. But um, I had grown in an environment where people share their knowledge using slides or using boring uh, lectures. And then um, basically... Um, I came across the some first facilitation as seeing workshops and like trying to follow the the lead. But when I met Sivasalam uh, Tegarajan or Tiagi, I realized that actually what you need to facilitate is just a lightweight frame. And however, it needs to be like carefully chosen. But then you can put all your content around it. So it really enabled me to step up my game in in facilitation. Okay, did you had some? some course with uh, with with him or how did you get the knowledge okay so actually i i first met him and my first course with him was um just uh, before covid you know it's it's funny you know we have a new way of, of looking at time now there's before covid and after covid yeah. uh maybe <laughs> we will start a new uh numeric system uh but yeah. uh, so it was at the end of 2019 though i had already experimented with some of his frame games and some of his uh ways of of teaching by um looking at some of the stuff that he publishes on the website. I also met some other friends in the facilitation space who taught me a lot, like uh, Francis Laleman, um, and also uh, Tobias Meyer, who's really active in the Scrum uh, community. And uh, just by experimenting and working with these people, I could see that facilitation is not just following a recipe, but it's also taking inspiration from many different fields, like improv, like art, like music, like and so so many different things, but it's about finding the right way or the right module, the right way of facilitating to go there. And so when I met Tiagi in 2019, it was like all the pieces of the puzzle came together um, and I could really see the power of, uh, of his work. Very nice. You told me something about icebreakers. I think this is uh, this guy who told you, what do you do? Yeah. Icebreakers. So the thing is, usually I don't bother with icebreakers. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, many of the icebreakers I've experimented and I've also done in the past were mm -hmm. mainly like two truths and one lie or your favorite animal or something like totally like unrelated to what we're going to work on. And sometimes it can be quite awkward. You know, like asking somebody two truths and one lie is like, or something no, nobody knows about yourself. Like, why would you tell that to a bunch of strangers? 
And also sometimes people are very busy and we're inviting them for a workshop. So like they agree to come and then the first five to 10 minutes, we do an icebreaker that has nothing to do with the work. So basically it shuts people down, shuts people off. And what I love, and and, and this is really the thing that I've uh, learned there is to, and you might say that it's a semantic thing, but instead of doing an icebreaker, I would do an opener or an opening activity that is related to the content. For instance, if we're going to work on strategic decision-making, well, we could just have an opening question where people talk to their neighbors about their experience with projects or with decision-making, and they can choose the way that they answer the question. But it's not something like, come on, Natty, tell me something that nobody knows about yourself. You know, we're here live in this podcast. And, and, and you know, it, it, it's, it's really about, one, making sure that people connect to one another, but most importantly, that they feel that their time is used wisely. Yeah. Yeah, and that they are not um, in a space where they suddenly have to give something that they were not ready to give in the first place. Yeah. Quite and uh, yeah, and a key thing there as facilitators, and and this is something that we I've played along with uh, Francis Lanneman, is to make sure that our questions are vague enough. So the the concept of vague enough means that it gives a sense of direction. You know, tell me something about decision making. But it lets everyone to kind of decide where they want to go with that answer. It can be something like they decided to go and move abroad and live there with their family, start a new life there. Or it could be something about a project. But everyone decides for themselves whether they want to keep it private, whether they want to make it professional, whatever that means. Um, and, and so it gives freedom in a certain space. Yeah, and it gives you also, as a facilitator, a feeling of, of where they are starting and what they give from themselves. And then you can adapt your the rest of the workshop yeah. or the way you talk to them yeah exactly because i've also had some situations where people ask me hey we need an advanced course on uh scrum people are already and and you don't have to know anything about scrum to 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 understand my example but we need an advanced course on scrum and then in the opening question actually i realized that people don't have any experience but they need an advanced course because they are higher up in the hierarchy But the key thing for me when I teach something is to make sure that what I teach, the content I bring, is relevant to everyone in the room. If you're a workshop facilitator and you're struggling to find your own value proposition, the type of workshop you really want to offer, the one that exactly meets the needs of the customers you'd like to work with, or if you want to refine your offering and make it more clear and attractive to your customers, book a free call with me so we can discuss how I can be a sparing partner in one-to-one -one sessions to guide you towards your ideal offer. All the contact information in the show notes. Yeah. You, we were talking about before pandemic, after pandemic, yep. but during the pandemic, you did a lot of things and... Um, mm. And you talk, we talked about a special project, I would say, because you used your facilitations knowledge to transmit it to women's organization, women's 
associations, or I don't know how to know it, an NGO in Asia to help them with their projects during several yep. months. And I would love to hear about this because this is also a way as a facilitator to involve ourselves in some such kind of projects. Yeah, so it, this was a kind of a very special project to me, and it was uh, inscribed in a in a longer term collaboration that we did with uh, Empower. Empower is a global NGO organization that works with local NGOs to build on capacity building. Mm -hmm. So they might work with money, but they also might work with uh, improving knowledge. And in that case, um, there's a um, it's now a three year old NGO in the Philippines called Luna's Collective. And they work with survivors of gender-based violence. They also work on the whole topic of gender, uh, you know, the LGBTQIA plus situation, also about everything like sexual and reproductive health, and also the place of pleasure in the whole spectrum of sexuality and, and how people relate to that. And since they had started working around these topics, which are also taboo in Europe, mm -hmm. but I, I live differently in the Philippines, um, they realized that they wanted to have more tools to, I mean, tools, you know, it's not necessarily like physical or digital tools, but more ways to approach the facilitation, more ways to work with groups. And uh, so we started working and imagine the situation, you know, like you have an NGO in the Philippines, femi like feminist group. And uh, here I am, a white middle-aged man, like <laughs> teaching them about facilitation. So what I really loved about working with them is I started, I said, hey, you know, like we're here to learn together about facilitation. You know a lot about the topic of working with survivors of gender-based violence. You know a lot more than me about the whole spectrum of gender uh, situations and, and sexual and reproductive health. I'm a middle-aged white man. What I would like to do is that we work together on the facilitation aspect. I don't want to be seen as the one who will bring you all the content, on the, all the knowledge, because we need to work together and to learn together as a group. And I think that was really key because they said, yeah, of course, I mean, we, we see it like that exactly. So, because I also knew that maybe, or I, I, I could assume that maybe because of my gender, because of my like origin, there could be some kind of difficulty in getting the start. But right from the start, we opened it up, and and that was really great. And so, we started working on what it is like, or what is it like to work with groups. What is it like to share stories? to work on storytelling, because basically when you work with survivors, and again, I love the reframing, you know, I, again, my background, my assumptions that we would talk about victims of gender-based violence, but imagine just changing that and talking about survivors of gender-based violence, you know, this already empowers uh, the people. And so it was all about like using cooperative storytelling to share stories, because we can talk about statistics, you know, we can talk about the statistics of gender-based violence in the Philippines, in Belgium, you know, wherever. But when we work with groups, the key thing is to hear what happened to you, to me, to every single person. But then when there's 40, 50 people in the group, and maybe you don't feel comfortable sharing the things. Again, you know, coming back to what we said earlier about the icebreakers or openers. So how do we create, how do we actually hold the space 
for people to share their stories with people they don't know. So you gave them the tools and methods to, to do that? Yeah. So so basically we practice. We met very regularly throughout the course of several months. And each time we just tried something. So actually we learned about facilitation by doing it. Mm-hmm. So we played out some activities and then we reflected together. How could it be used? Remember, I know nothing. I mean, I'm, 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 I know nothing about the context. I know nothing about what it is like to work with their groups in the Philippines. I've never been, I've never been to the Philippines. <laughs> but it's only through our shared understanding and our shared knowledge and our shared reflection on, hey, this is an activity. Okay, how did it work? How do you see yourself using it? And for instance, one of the things we worked with, and I recently received pictures of, of the, the group in action, uh, we worked with clean language. I don't know if you're familiar with clean language. No, um, explain it. So it's it's a, a way of exploring somebody's like world and somebody's um, way of experiencing things. It's developed by David Grove, and it's a set of Okay, very basically, you could see it as a way of asking questions, but of course, it's much more than that. Um, mm-hmm. You would start, for instance, I could ask you, Nati, when you facilitate at your best, it's like what? Mm-hmm. You can answer me something. Um, it's like empowering myself. Is there anything else about empowering yourself? Yeah, I like the, f- the fact to empower the others, empowering myself. Okay, so when there's you facilitating at your best, you're empowering the others and empowering yourself. What happens next? I bring the people to be engaged and enthusiastic about what they are doing and wanted to do more to get more tangible results. Okay, thank you. So, I mean, I could go on, but basically the way of questioning with clean language is just using questions, but always using your words, your content, your context, because facilitating at your best is empowering. But what I hear afterwards, it's bringing them to tangible results. Yeah. And it's getting there. That's really interesting because then we can start working. Okay, great tangible results. Tell me more about these tangible results. Is there anything anything else about that? You know, what can I see, hear or smell about that? And basically it's, And and when we uh, started working with clean language, actually they said, you know, this is a great way because they have this helpline on Facebook um, where survivors can also like ask for support and so on. So using clean language to kind of help the, the survivors getting grips with their own situation, with their own story is super powerful. So there, I, I raise, regularly receive pictures of them teaching clean language to people all around them. And, and it's amazing uh, really seeing that. And yeah. This is a impactful way of giving and transmitting your, your knowledge. Um, yeah, I mm. was very moved by, by this last time. So this is why I wanted to put it in, a, in the podcast. Oh, yeah. Thank you for that. Hi. I'm Catherine Siebex from Facilitators Connect, and I have something for you. If you are an entrepreneur in the field of facilitation, keep your ears wide open. There is an event that you should not miss if you want to scale up your business and leverage your skills. 
It's called Facilitators Connect, and it is a retreat which will take place from the 11th until the 15th of September in the Netherlands. Five intense days with top speakers who will hold exclusive workshops where you will get the most out of your own positioning, but also your sales and marketing strategy. With speakers such as Ahmad Munawar, Axel Van Kuali, and the well-known Brittany Bowring. Grab your coupon in the show notes to get a special discount. Sign up super quick on facilitatorsconnect.com and join 40 facilitators from all over the world for five intense days for your business, for your network with like-minded people, but most of all, for yourself. See you soon. Your special topic is not only facilitation in a wide way. You are a visual thinker. And you are yep. someone who is drawing. We see it on the on your background behind you, all the pictures. Yep. And we talked last time about a famous book that every French person has at home and read <laughs> with the parents when they are little kids. So could you tell me what is the link between Saint-Exupéry Little Prince, Le Petit Prince, and visual facilitation. Yeah, so when you open the book, when you start the book of uh, The Little Prince or Le Petit Prince, I think very early Saint-Exupéry tells that he, you know, crashed uh, in the desert with a plane, but he also tells about his story when he was a kid and when he started drawing. And so I know that this is an audio podcast, but I will still show you the picture. And then like, he shows this picture and he asks people, what is it? And so it's a kind of brownish um, thing that has like two bumps on the top and, and people mistake it for a hat. Yeah. And he shows it to grown up and, and they also say, oh, it's a hat. But he says, actually, it's not a hat. When you look further, and, and I don't know how we can, can get that, or, you know, you just get your own copy. But he's like, you know, actually, I was not drawing a hat. I was drawing an elephant inside a snake, inside a boa. <laughs> and actually, visual facilitation is that, is, is, is really about making sense with pictures. But it's also about like using the right picture to convey the right meaning. So what does it mean, the right picture? If you go a little further in the book, uh, very early, actually, um, while he's cleaning his plane, um he there's a little boy coming to him and the first question i think maybe it's not the first question but uh, one of the first questions that the boy asks is what draw me a goat yeah uh, draw me a sheep, a sheep. Yeah. sorry uh, a sheep <laughs> yes and so he tries he draws a first sheep and then the little princess no this one doesn't look, he looks sick or something like that. And then he tries another one. Oh no, this one has one uh, leg too little or something. So like each of the sheep that he draws is refused by the little prince. But actually the, the only sheep that the little prince accepts, you remember which one it is? Yeah, this is the, the sheep in the box. Yeah, so actually he draws a box and then the little prince says, oh, but maybe, uh, and, and so maybe I, I don't remember that correctly, but I think he draws a couple of holes yeah, in the box. Yeah, two holes. So that the, the sheep can, can breathe and that you can give food to them. And that's the only drawing that the little prince accepts as the sheep. <laughs> but what I love about this, 
And it also reminds me of a Belgian uh, guy I will talk about later, is that actually this is the right drawing, but this is where actually people can connect meaning. They have the concept of the sheep, but I can draw my vision of a sheep, but it might not be yours. And maybe the best way for both of us to agree on this is a sheep is actually to have it in a box so that it can be any any sheep we'd like. Yeah. And and, and this also reminds me of um, René Magritte. You're probably familiar with René Magritte. Uh, so he's the famous Belgian guy. I mean, he's dead. Huh? Uh, but he he drew a painting uh, of a pipe. Yeah. And underneath that, he wrote, Ceci n'est pas une pipe. This is not a pipe. And people were confused. They were like, this is a pipe. Come on. You know, like I can recognize it. But the key thing there, and, and again, I love that, Magritte. And, and if you're familiar with this work, you might look at um, Des mots et des images, or Des images et des mots, which is also a collection of playing with words and drawing. But he actually said, this is not a pipe. This is a drawing of a pipe. You know, you could try putting tobacco, tobacco in that pipe. It will not work. You can try setting fire to it, but the only thing that you'll have is a burnt painting of a pipe. You know, you can even not smoke it. So, you know, so this is definitely not a pipe, but it's a visual representation of a pipe. And as visual thinkers, visual facilitators, it's great because we can use the metaphor of the pipe to talk about stuff. Okay, today we talk about cancer, probably, you know, but maybe a hundred years ago, you would talk about a smooth evening, you know, with a whiskey or something and reading a book or something like that. Yeah. But... It's it's all about the meaning that we attach to the drawing. Yeah. So how can help visual facilitation uh, facilitators to in their workshops? Well, I would say take the wisdom from Saint Exupéry and from Magritte. Yeah. The first thing is you don't have to draw the thing as it is in real life. Mm-hmm. Good news. That means that you don't need to be an artist. Draw something that closely enough resembles the topic. Draw a box with holes in it and you have a sheep, you know, or or draw a pipe and you can talk about cancer or <laughs> reading a book or something like that. So it's, it's, it's mainly about finding ways to connect meaning with the people who are with you in that moment on that day. And when you re- when you are, because I see many people trying to focus, how do I represent this? How do I get that? And it's like they're playing Pictionary. You know, they want to represent the most complex word in Pictionary, and they're trying to get the perfect picture. But as um, I think it's Brie Pettis in the, the Don Manifesto, uh, the Don Manifesto, there, there is one item that says, laugh at perfection, it's boring and prevents you from being done. You know, if you want something done, it's best to draw something which is not quite like it. Yeah. But that's good enough to allow you to advance. And how can we, so, how can we start with uh, drawing for workshops? You are giving, you are giving uh, a course called Bicablo. Yeah. You are giving it, I, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you are giving it in person, but also online. Yes. Yeah, so I'm I'm one of the many uh, Bicablo teachers, um, and uh, mainly the in-person classes that I give are 
yeah in 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 the french speaking area although i sometimes also go to lithuania and the uk and something like i do many many workshops uh, in person but also online um and uh, so basically bicablo is a um, way of teaching visual thinking that was started by Martin Hausmann in uh, Germany, in Cologne, uh, a couple of years ago. And now for like almost 20 years, we've been, so it's, it's not only drawing, you know, it's not only teaching how to draw, mm -hmm. but the most important part of the training is learning how to use it in our own context. Mm -hmm. And remember, just like, With the um, with the Lunas Collective in the Philippines, I'm not an expert in everyone's context. Mm -hmm. But what we can do together is learn together. Once we have the basics right, is how to use it in your own context. And basically, in the Bicablo training, when I teach the two-day training, the last part of the training, the whole afternoon of the second day, is totally focused on you creating that one poster that you can use right after the training using everything we saw before and the amazing thing is i've been teaching that in hospitals so that people and head nurses can talk about like what they need to look for when patients have this and this and this and that i've been teaching this in um in uh pharmacy companies I've been teaching this in finance organization. I've been teaching this in telecom organization. I've been teaching this in government organization, like many, many different areas. And when I go to public classes, I have people, I have had one person that works in Niger on peace processes, you know, because there's many terrorist organizations there. And how do we work with the locals on peace building processes? Um, These people are then together, and this is great when it's online, when people who work in organizations, you know, are project managers, and then you also have coaches, and you have people, like, sharing their experience and learning together on how to use this in our own workshops. So basically, in the Bicablo training, I give you the keys and enough experience so that you can leave the class and be ready to use it. Wow. And when is the next course? So I just finished the online training. So this is why you can see loads of uh, visuals behind me. Um, there's uh, the next online, and I don't know when this one will be uh, published, but the next um, uh, class, the next public class is in Belgium in September. Then there is one in early October in London that I'm doing with Marcus de Vale from Work Visible. Uh, in November, I will be in Vilnius, Lithuania. Wow. Um, and then in December, another one in Belgium, and the next online training will be in January 2024. Okay. So, so I will put all the link to register to these trainings. The podcast is coming out, just that, you know, in August. So the people okay. will have uh, the time to, to register and sign up. Thank you mm. so much for all these insights. As well as I could talk with you for hours <laughs> i mean you you do so much things thank you so much i hope you had also a great moment with us it was a real pleasure to meet you thank you so much natty it's really great and you know this is maybe one of the things also that we've learned during the the, the lockdown on pandemic is that actually we can be connected together even though many many kilometers uh, are yeah between us, us. And so, yeah yeah 
So thank you. And I wish you all the best for the trainings. Have a nice summer. Um, and bye-bye. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Nati. Bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like to take part in one of Charles-Louis de Meyer's course, there are several opportunities available to you over the coming month. On 7th of September, online, The Power of Stories, using fairy tales and folk tales in your workshops. On 2nd and 3rd of October in London, in-person Bicablo training on visual facilitation. On 11th of September, a Bicablo training course will also take place in Brussels. And on the 13th of January, there is a Bicablo training online. Charles-Louis makes these courses available to everyone at flexible prices. You can register for the course at 100%, 80% or 110% of the total price. The course is the same, but those with less means can access it and I think that's a really good thing. Please find all information available in the show notes. In the next episode, I welcome Douglas Ferguson. He is the president of Voltage Control, a facilitation academy that develops leaders through certifications, workshops, and organizational coaching focused on facilitation mastery, innovation, and play. And he is also the author of four books, including Magical Meetings, Beyond the Prototype, How to Remix Anything, and Start Within. So stay tuned to our next episode, which will be released on the 31st of August. And this might be your last chance to grab your August discount coupon, giving you a discount of 400 euros of your ticket for the Facilitators Connect Retreat, taking place from 11th to 15th of September in the Netherlands. If you need more information about this event, don't hesitate to contact me or take all information in the show notes. Until then, I wish you happiness, a good health, and a lot of success. Au revoir.